Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 244. We are almost at the end of the year. Um, in fact, this is our last guest, our last proper guest of the year, in Mr. Russell Kane, who um, I was very excited to have on. I was surprised by a lot of his story. I didn't know. I thought I knew tons about the lad, but there was a lot I didn't know. But before I get into that, I will mention that as Christmas is coming, speechdevelopmentrecords.com is a good place to get Christmas gifts. We've got signed stuff. We've got signed uh, Distraction Pieces podcast book, which is a Times bestseller, which means it's good. We've got my Poetry and Emotion book signed over there. We've got DVDs, vinyls, CDs, all sorts of signed stuff. We've got signed copies of um, my first album, No Commercial Breaks. I've reissued it as a pop-up book, two-disc version. And as you open it, it's kind of got this pop-up book um, packaging. It's pretty dope. So yeah, we've got that. But then we've also got scarves and bubble hats and coats and hoodies all sorts of good stuff obviously at this point in the year we won't be stocking up again before christmas so get your orders in while they last um right i should also tell you i'm recording this um a matter of hours before we start this year's drunk cast um so as i record this it's sunday evening and we're recording the drunk cast. It'll be starting next week and going out all over the Christmas um, into New Year period. So, uh, yeah, who knows how it's going to pan out. I'm feeling a bit ill and haven't been sleeping well recently. So add a load of alcohol to that. It's going to be messy. I know Chris has had some hectic um, times of late. And Stu's just old. So I'd imagine it's going to be an interesting one this year. I'm sure I've mentioned before, we've gone back to the old school of just the three of us, the original three end-of-year drunk cast crew, and we'll be drinking, going over our years, but also going over things in the news from this year, films, TV shows, podcasts that we've enjoyed this year. It's a year in review, but drunk. Um, So yeah, and we might give some insight as to why the other drunk cast that we recorded this year uh, was deemed unreleasable. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and we're also answering some of of your questions in, in this year's one. Loads of people have put questions on Facebook, questions and topics, so we'll head over there for some of the best. Um, big love for, for everyone that, that, that tuned in last week and gave loads of love the the Boots Riley episode. The last two in a row, the Boots Riley episode and the, and the David Lowry episode, have been two of the most enjoyable f- uh, for me as an interviewer. Just two dudes who really know their art. They've carved their very much their own path. Yeah, I loved it. So, so that's cool. Um, also, over at patreon.com slash pip, I've been doing some cool stuff. So l- last week I recorded three great podcasts and i post a little a selfie from each of them so i give a reveal of who's to come in the new year and also i I posted a um a spoken word story i found on my hard drive from years ago and uh numerous people have 
have commented saying it had them in tears. So, yeah, that's over at Patreon. I'm going to be, be doing more on the Patreon in the new year. I'm going to be keeping it at a pound, a pound a month, and that's it. I'm not doing any of these tears. It's not for me. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to be adding some new stuff. I'm thinking I've got a little a mini bonus podcast idea that I'm, I'm working on. So I might be doing that in the new year. But um, I might talk about that on the Drunk Cast next week. <sighs> anyway. I'll just get on with the podcast. Is there anything else I need to tell you? I don't think there is. Oh, oh, we speak briefly at the end of this about a Russell Kane's fantastic podcast, Evil Genius, which I reckon will come up on the Drunk Cast because I've been really in, in, enjoying them. Um, he explains what it is, so I'll, I'll leave you to get into that. But yeah, I recommend you check that out and get downloading uh, on BBC Sounds. But for now... This is episode 243 of the Traction Pieces podcast with Russell Kane. start rolling if that's okay with yeah, you thanks man um and we're going um i'm joined by russell kane how are you today sir i'm good thank you tired but totally uh, up for a chin wag with yourself we were talking just before we started this what r- r- rushed me to get going is you're tired partly because you've just been doing a gig in an aeroplane i'm good like most <laughs> my, most junkies i'm good if i stay on the junk and my junk yeah. is work yeah so when i come off the gear for a week i.e sitting in an all-inclusive resort doing nothing brilliant uh i go cold turkey for one day and then i'm great i'm clean but as soon as i get back the first day on the gear work yeah. i go to pieces yeah. so i hit the ground running yesterday uh, for the most uh, the biggest day ever uh and then of course i'm absolutely exhausted today so i had two gigs yesterday i just got off my airplane from the night before all blissed out like all sun-kissed yeah. being great loving a holiday and then i had to wake up the next day go to heathrow and do a gig on an airplane it's, for an, how, it's an amazing gig how does that work and how was it as a gig because i mean you've kind of got to finish your, your gig that, and then go and sit in the audience in right. a way. I mean, I mean there's, not, there's so, not like a backstage area. It's not it? as bad as last time I did it. The last one I did, it, they thought it'd be really like, it's a great idea because the audience don't know there's going to be stand-up. Oh, that's the so worst. it's kind of a surprise. But if you can imagine the atmosphere when you start screaming into the telecoms, oh, everybody stop talking. It does send the sort of yeah. <laughs> wrong emotion through the fuselage. 100%. Anyway, but this time they, it was it was a gig to thank fundraisers for this important charity. And Wicked. it was me, Joel Domit, um and Rob Beckett I was hosting and so we like the little business class curtain behind that that was our green room (laughs) (laughs) I love it but the thing that no one warns you about when you get on an airplane I was I was ready for it is that a it's really loud Mm -hmm. so if if you're doing music and you've got your in-ears not a problem as long as you can hear your own feed of yourself into your ears but you're doing stand-up yeah stand-up is a two-way conversation Uh so i can't i need to know if you're laughing have i offended you are you smiling blah blah blah. is this going so for a start you can't hear really hear laughter not really not unless everyone does a hey we're in alicante clap at the same time yeah (laughs) then the other thing which no one warned me about the first time was um so just for the benefit of listeners i'm holding my hands across my my nose you can only see eyes all you can see is eyes all the way to the back and a menacing of course. set of Edvard Munch eyes all the way to the back. Yeah. So, and you just see bobbing heads and eyes. So it's a real different skill to perform to, to eyes. Yeah, it's not got um, a staggered 
theatre set up in a Not place. really. It's, like, it's, it's not made for because, views. Because I was ready and I was hosting, I briefed, I briefed Rob and John, it was a great gig in the end, but it was such an adrenaline burner to jump up on an aeroplane in front of all these VIP. Yeah. And I had to land. I had about two, day, two hours at home uh, to eat a bit of food and then I had one of my first previews for a tour last night. And when a comedy tour preview is a terrifying yeah. packet of Imodium, a business because you're working with raw material that you have no idea whether it's funny just to you but often that you've worked on for a while and you've convinced yourself it's funny yeah. but then you have to go oh is it yeah and it's is and it, i've got like funny i would say i've sort of got ken the early stages of ken dodd disease which is an inability to do less than two hours on stage <laughs> uh, so two hours of stuff where you're not sure whether it's yeah. right yet or not it's it was just a full-on freaking day yeah i cried into my wine last night it's 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 tough but it's it's, I mean, as you said, that once it is an industry that once you're in the flow of it, there's almost an invincibility. Like, yeah. generally, in music, I'd look at tour announcements from comedians and be like, what are you doing? Like, that's the whole year. Yeah. That's literally constant. Yet, I don't know, it works. And well, you're not having to do the kind of the musical type sound checks and load-ins and all that. It is a bit more of a, here I am, here's the show. Yeah. It's all all polished and... Last two was eighteen months. I'm, I'm doing slightly bigger rooms this time because I can't do that again. Yeah, a year is eighteen months is crazy. A year is enough. So I want to do the same amount. I'd like to do. I'm not greedy. One hundred twenty thousand seats. That's decent. That is yeah. big, but not show off. And that'll do me. Yeah. And, and then two years off. This was supposed to be my year off, but it's, I've been doing all these bits and pieces. You're probably going to ask me about. Yes. It's been a great year. Indeed. So it's not really been a year of rest. It's been a year of creating other stuff. It's 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 great to get to these. Positions though, right? And I normally I'll, I'll go back to kind of early days and and that kind of thing. Sunrooms, because we, ex- exactly that's what I want to I want to get to that. Um, but it is a weird one because I'm not sure if I've told this on the podcast before. But years ago, I was I was I was, I was dating someone in America who was far more famous than me, and I found it odd that she had a lot of famous friends in different industries. I was like, what's the connection other than fame? Mm. And what I realised was that when you're in anything that people say is their dream job, you can't complain to your mates no. about being knackered or, you know, to, 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 to your uncles or your dad's mates or whatever because, oh, fuck off, it's not a real job. I work yeah. in a factory. Whereas, as with any job, it gets exhausting. It can be emotionally and physically exhausting. So I think that's why sometimes famous people draw together because they can go, oh, that's such a knackering week and no one's going to go, or whatever, mate. I yeah, worked yeah. in the coal mines or whatever else. It allows you to have that kind it's a, of. It's a different. Ty- it's a different type of exhaustion. Yeah, that's when it when it comes. To, I of, I often say, I wish my body could know how excited I am about my career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My body's yeah, yeah. like, I don't give a shit what you're doing. I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm very, very. You know what I mean? I'm a pancreas. I've got insulin to produce. And I'm fucked. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and all, it's just a different type. It is, is a very specific type of tiredness. And, and, and a comedian is another type of tiredness altogether. Yeah. I mean, it's no, it's not for a random reason. You, it's so hard to find life insurance and car insurance if you're a comedian. Yeah. We crash our cars yeah. and die more often than anyone. Else. Well, if yeah. you go like stuntman, nuclear waste removal person, uh, depression engineer, comedians at the end with like a, a skull and crossbone, it's, it's what, Whatever part of the brain you have to use night after night to go up on the roller coaster, hey, I'm Mr. Fun Guy, and down again, it's yeah. obviously incredibly dangerous to do yeah. that. Um, so that, and I think that's what can be exhausting, ratcheting the energy up. 
to that level. Yeah, and also, this is my theory of comedy, very broadly speaking. You're, and I know you've spoken to other comedians, you'll, you'll speak to two types of uh, comedian or comic actor or that sort of performer. Two, there are two groups, and they seem to be very distinct from what I can gather. One is I call the talented group, ironically, <laughs> who can write comedy. So yeah. they'll sit down and they'll write their show. Um, there might be Frankie Boyle, it might be Jimmy Carr, it might be like a, a Simon Pegg who can write a script, and they'll craft it and test it, go back, tweak the wording, craft it, test it, and it's a thick. It's just as exhausting, and they have just as hard a time as me. And there's people like me who can't write a word of comedy to save their life, yeah. and just have to describe shit that's happened to them yeah. and mould it into like translating Chinese food from Hong Kong to the British palate yeah, I have yeah, to translate yeah, yeah, my yeah. personal experience to the mainstream palate so I'll start with the raw Photoshop file of oh, I spilled a cup of coffee on my crutch when I was speaking to crew and then I'll gradually work out what the yeah. you know the chicken chow mein version oh, of that where is where the funny is yeah so I if you saw what lasted me two hours last night it's one A4 sheet with yeah. about 200 words on it yeah, and it's like tell the story about uh, when Lindsay met, met Prince Charles. Dot yeah, the bit where yeah, she bends yeah. over. Dot the bit she drops about, and it's nothing more than that. <laughs> yeah, but that could be a twenty-minute story where I'm testing bits and pieces, and so it's, I'm building in a kind of it's a Darwinian model to writing. So almost the opposite to to poetry, most yeah. poetry, even very modern poetry, which is still very sort of metrically measured and each word is carefully uh, chosen. I suppose the, the only, the closest thing would be like freeform freestyling rap, but yeah. where you're keeping the freestyle afterwards and rehoming yeah, it. Completely. I used to, to, to do a joke introduction. It was only a joke for me and my mate Polar Bear at gigs is I'd get up and say, oh, this is the first draft of a, of one of my pieces. Cause we found it hilarious. Cause we don't, we were never educated enough to have first drafts. No. If we're doing it, it's done. Yeah. We've done it. We've written it. We're, we're getting up there and doing it. So, yeah, it's it, it's that different approach to to finding what works. It's what I love, because I'm a big f- f- fan of stand-up, it's what I love about going to see a works in progress, is seeing the variation of kinds of works in progress. I remember in one night I went to see um, a Simon Amstel work in progress and a Ramesh I rang an A from work in progress and Simon's was so much a work in progress. It was so, here's some ideas. Oh, yeah. not sure. Where it's. And Ramesh, I was like, well, that's just a stand up show. That felt finished. You know? <laughs> Ramesh and I are very similar. He'll genuinely be t- telling a story about when his kid got lost on the beach. Yeah. I mean, that, would, that genuinely would have happened to him. Yeah. So he'll have on a bullet point, kid gets lost on a beach. He'll then oh. tell the story. I'm, yeah. guess, I'm guessing, I've yeah, yeah, had yeah. this conversation with Ron. Uh, and then he'll go, oh, it's quite funny when I did the bit about the glasses. Right, I'll make sure I leave the glasses bit in next time. So it's a, a Darwinian yeah. mode yeah, of yeah, writing. Completely. You add a bit, oh, that bit didn't work, die, that little bit dies, dies out. Off, yeah. I also use an Oxbow Lake method of writing, right. which is like, I do the story. So I spill coffee on my lap when I'm doing the interview with Scroobius Pip. So that happened today. And it's like a really funny story. But just at the side, I keep making a funny little remark about Ponzi coffee that I picked up. Yeah. Oh yeah, but there's so many choices these days. You know the Arabic of it? And that starts to get laughs on its own until eventually, it's a little oxbow lake routine on its own about coffee yeah, which i just yeah, yeah. snip off we have our original scrooby story and the yeah. coffee routine can just be kept over there for another tour or yeah. separated within the same show i love that that it can be its own thing and <laughs> it can then the be so hard to describe how it got to that it's like i, I had you come up with that joke well i was talking about the, the dinosaurs and then that yeah. made me think of this and this this mad yeah that series of events so it's a more it's definitely a more exhausting way of writing because i'm always looking at i only work with a blank cursor yeah um so yeah that's what that's what i've been doing this week so it's too, i've got the opposite problem of most stand-ups 
which they would kill to have my problem and I would kill to have theirs. Because you've got too much. Too much. And I find it incredibly hard to judge. And it was a successful hour and 40 minutes last night. That does not fucking help me. I need awful, terrible previews with little glimpses of light. Because if they're awful and terrible, the glimpses of light means it's 10 out of 10 stuff that still shone despite being in a shitstorm. Does that get a lot harder as your profile grows? Because people are there who are fans of you and have come out to laugh. And... As wonderful Indeed. as that is on your actual tour, it's not helpful at all on a work in progress because they're just going to laugh at anything almost. I, well, I said to my, I was on the phone to my manager last night, I went, I'm not going out of the house because if anything fucking funny happens to me tomorrow, I'm cancelling the tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't do two halves this time. I just can't. <laughs> I did two halves. I ended up doing cancelling my support acts last time. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah, I cancelled yeah. all the support and I went on in the first half and did 40 minutes and then did an hour and 20 after the interval. I'm like... By the end of 18 months, I was just a skull on a stick. Yeah. I can't do that again. I need to to make a point of saying to the listeners now, if anyone is kind of thinking, a, oh, oh, woe is me, how hard is it being a successful comedian yeah. or artist or whatever, it's really important to not have that attitude because that's yeah. what literally kills people. Yeah. Uh, with depression and with other things, from the people I've spoken to on depression, half the problem is often the guilt of feeling depressed when you know there's people starving the in the world or whatever else. It's like, well, no, we need to acknowledge that everything is relative. So if something is a big deal in your world, then it is relevant. There's no... I hate the, the whole f- first world problems thing. Yeah. It's like, right, well, that could be a first world problem that builds up so much that you kill yourself. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, first world problem. It's like... No, it's post, postmodern guilt, isn't it? Guilt, yeah. but guilt about your guilt. It's a, it's, it's a weird one. It's, it's a weird one that we have that. As well. I love being on stage. That's the easiest part of my day. Yeah. The, the thing with my business that no one sees is, is the travelling. So, for example, say between like January and March, I spent eight nights at home. Yeah. I've got a three-year-old daughter. Yeah. I, think I, I clocked up eight nights. My longest ever run this year at home is five nights consecutive. I, mad, I haven't done more than it? five nights. Yeah. Uh, but I love what I do so much. What can I say? I'm doing the crack cocaine of showbiz, like making people laugh. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. it's fucking full on. And obviously I'd speak a hundred miles now. I cover miles and miles of stage, dripping in sweat, run, run, run. I'm, yeah. I'm not exactly like man in a mic. No. Do a exactly. bit of racism, go home like it was back in the old days. <laughs> yeah, it was Aren't brown there. people funny? Good night. I didn't Where's even my spill my beer. <laughs> take my fag out of my mouth. Um, so, uh, I mean, do you think any of that kind of, that guilt of struggling or finding anything tough, do you think that comes from... I was listening to, to, to one of your podcasts and you you nailed a thing of your upbringing of being... Um, I, I noted ex- exactly how you worded it, in fact, of 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 being the upper working class, oh, of not being middle class, but... And, and I was similar. My dad worked in a a factory started off as the cleaner but by the end of his career it was one of the managers yeah so it's that really weird kind of we 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 were a working class family but then they could afford to get the mortgage at least yeah. and not pay it off until you know years and years but you know could get the mortgage and that kind of thing so that kind of thing i think influences me and i have to check myself every now and then i go no you're you're working hard the fact that you're writing the fact that you're yeah. recording you're doing this now i'll always be I've only only done a couple of hours today. That's not really that's not real work. Like, yeah. You're I mean, exhausted. You're allowed to take time off. You're allowed to. But that, that weirdly, the tour is the easiest part of my day because you just sort of wake up in some hotel somewhere. It's all scheduled. You know isn't what? It? I'm going to fucking Netflix it for two hours and do yeah. bugger all. That, so ironically, the bits there's where nothing I, I can do. Yeah, I love. I do like a bit. <laughs> of that. Yeah, there is. There is a, it is a weird 
uh, stratum of society, the upper working class, as you pull away. I'm just, in fact, just had um, a documentary commissioned. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about you know, like for the BBC Radio, which is going to be in the area of people that were allowed to buy their own council houses yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Because it created a whole new class of people, which mm-hmm. lefties like me now go, oh, Thatcher, she sold off our social housing. But really, if she hadn't, I probably wouldn't be sat here talking to you because yeah. the statistics don't lie, particularly with boys. If your mum and dad own their own house, your prospects are off the re- register higher yeah. than from a, a, if you're a lad. Mom, they, don't, they don't know why. So you could live in the same house, in the same street, with the same peers and the same relatives, and all that's changed is your mum and dad buy their own house yeah. and your prospects would still change. Man, so there's obviously yeah. something innate and ape in us that we don't mm-hmm. like to admit to with owning our own domain, like puffing the chest out, my dad owns his own house or whatever. Yeah. That, for me, was the main thing that pulled us away. Yeah, my dad was a manual labourer and my mum's a cleaner, but we bought our own council house. Yeah. We were one, you know, we, my dad was a skilled manual labourer. We were one step up. And it did change, does change the way you attack the world. It's a fascinating um, subject and situation. I'm, I'm blind boy of the rubber bandits has done some some stuff on the bbc about it recently on on iplayer it's fantastic and it is a weird one because it's it was mobilizing at the time but then it has kind of built this world now where it's yeah. so hard to buy a flat and there's well, a the there's, there's a view of millennials being lazy or whatever else it's like no they just haven't yeah. you, they need 20 grand yeah. minimum to put a deposit down and you needed a grand or a couple of grand and that's that's the difference and it, it it's this weird, yeah. It builds a, a weird cycles that I don't know what the right and the wrong is, or what's the better and the worse. You could flip it on its head, though. Like, look at somewhere like Germany, where yeah. I don't think it's about thirty percent of people own their houses. Yeah. Everyone rents. It's not like this big deal. No, it's because yeah, yeah, it's, it's a big deal in our know. society. It's because yeah. we think we've well, got to own your house, and then you think, but why? And then there isn't really a proper answer. The only real reason. To to do it, I suppose, is you can make equity on it down the line and it's a little thing to add to your pension, which is my yeah. m- model of retirement. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, why? Why do you need to own your own? There yeah. is no scientific, biological, psychological reason. It's just the way our society is structured. Completely, it's a social thing. And it's, if you look in Berlin, it don't work like that. No one gives a fuck. You, you rent your flat, you get on with your life, you let your pubic hair grow natural, you do nudism. Life's yeah. good. Yeah, it's, but, it's a social thing of thinking, oh, I'm giving s- s- some other prick all my money. Yeah. It's like, you're doing that with your food and, and your with, mortgage and with everything in like with everything in your life. What about the mortgage payment? Some other prick your money. Ninety percent of the money for the first ten years is interest. Yeah. So yeah. what? Prick, so a bank is getting your money. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I got a, a, a mortgage on my flat, and I just it was the worst timing because I saw a comedian talk about how at that point you own because of the interest you you, you own less of your flat than a stranger walking past your flat. Yeah. Because they own zero percent of your flat. Uh, you own minus 50% of your flat <laughs> at this stage because of the interest and because of what you found. It's oh. like, that's heartbreaking. That's, that's a horrible system to be drawn into. But because be I'm, aspirational. Because I'm so working class, bricks and mortar, and I just got lucky doing this for a living, mm. as soon as my first tour paid out, I was like, right, I've had my fun. I've partied hard for 10 years and bored with that. First tour paid out, right, buy a flat. Buy a flat, let it out. I can't be asked to get a pension. It just sounds boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Old fuck that. And uh, so I just thought, right, every time the tour pays out, I'll just buy a flat and let it out. I'll never be rich, but at the end, I've got 
you know, two or three flats which I can sell off. Yeah. And then next year, we're going to crack down on buy to let. I was like, oh, for fuck. <laughs> I'm meant to die a peasant. Let's just embrace it. This was my big plan. God damn you. So- no, they're punishing people like me. Like, was, <laughs> my dad's pension was worth like nothing in the end. It was yeah. like time for my pension to cash out would you like to be spat in the face or punched (laughs) exactly that's kind of the scary thing of pensions and all of that again it goes back to that generation that were able to get on the property ladder also have pensions and and now are going to live a lot longer than was originally thought therefore everyone's going to pay it's kind of 60 and night what the fuck am i going to do that's my biggest fear is the board like that's the bit that scares me most I'm, i'm 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 37 I'm knackered now. I might just I can't, the thought of another 37 years is just exhausting. The way I see it is, if you do a bank job when you're 61, one yeah. or two things is going to happen. Either A, you do a bank job, you've got a lot of money, yeah. you're sorted. B, you go to prison, that's your next 30 years sorted. Yeah. Right. E- either way, it's, deci- it's decided. So that's my plan, sawn off, 60th birthday, sawn off, do Harrods. The, uh, there's a, f- a, a film out now called uh, The Old Man and the Gun, and it's, it's Robert Redford's last ever film, and it's the true story of this old dude who was, like, in his 70s and had just been robbing banks his whole life. And in his kind of memoirs, like, he just said, I didn't rob him for the money. I just enjoyed it. Yeah. It was good fun. It's what I wanted to do in my life. It's where I was happiest. And all the reports of police and, 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 and the victims of the robberies of banks... Everyone commented on how he was charming and nice and smiling. So, so it's like it's like it's not this horrible. It's this charming man going, "I'm going to rob you now, um, and then I'm going to go on the run." Yeah, and yeah, just ethical the, burglary. It's the way to go. I think everyone at the age of sixty or seventy should go. Ah, oh, let's 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 take some risks. That's how I imagine all crime in Brighton to be already. <laughs> Definitely. I have double parked, and I hope you're okay with that. In a way, it's saving space, which is good for the environment. <laughs> a nice. Crime with a smile. That's what I want to see the evolution of. So, uh, what was your upbringing like? That came out of nowhere. I just threw yeah. that at you. But um, you, you've spoken... It's in, the beard in, in it? some you can't your... resist a segment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. You, no, but, but some of your most successful stand-up has been about your relationship with your father. Yeah. Um, you grew up in Essex, right? I My dad's from uh, Leon C yep. in Barking, that's where my dad grew up, and my mum was from Enfield, which is yeah. technically in London, although yeah, you yeah. would never think it was to look at it. <laughs> so when my mum got up the duff, as my dad's diary said when I found it, <laughs> and uh, they, we had nowhere to they had nowhere to live, so the, the initial, the very first place I lived, if you can believe it, was a woman's shelter. Oh, wow. I was like an eight women to a room type thing why yeah. they waited for a council flat to be allocated which actually took six weeks so the first six weeks of my life oh, I, yeah sure i mean that's good that's, that, that's good social needy brownie points isn't it yeah 100%. Uh, and then we got the, the council flat was allocated. I was born in a women's shelter yeah, mate shelter my dad had to visit at night with calluses on his hands where he'd been lagging pipes uh, after he <laughs> coughed the dust out his lungs he gave me a kiss on on my head <laughs> No, and then we got the we got the council flat allocated, and that actually was in Enfield. But yeah. because my dad's links to Essex, he, he had a small beach hut in Shoebury Ness, right? Which he'd inherited by my auntie Lena. So that's where we were every week. Every weekend, we're Leon C South End, Leon C South End. Oh, so so much of my childhood was was in Essex as well. So and proper I did, like- I did eventually move there, but for the large first part of of my life it was in en- you were living in, en- in east enders essentially en- enfield en- where <laughs> east enders and holidays in south end it's, it's like, it's, it's it's like of- a, a ley line of a, a social vacuity uh enfield so 
it's ex the park oh, I could see from my window is where London met Hertfordshire met Essex. All three oh, borders wow. met in the middle of that park. So yeah. if you stood under a tree, your accent was basically just a vowel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, I, just, I was always drawn to, to Essex. I like I was a more I'm more onto I got a degree. I just well, not the part of Essex you know, but the, like the the bits with the club, the club. Yeah, the nice like. bits. And I thought oh, I lived there one day, and, uh, and then I met this girl. A girl when she was from Southend, I was like, it's a sign. So I ended up living. I ended up living there. Yeah. For a while. I've got a bus named after me in Southend. Now you can, yeah. You can actually mount me in uh, <laughs> Southend South right away. Yeah. And so I ended up living there. I loved it. I was I was in Southend for about eight years, and then I moved to just I moved in a bit. I moved to Woodford. I've still yep. got the house in Woodford. That's let out now, and I'm actually living in Cheshire at the moment, if you can believe it. Yeah. So 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 when did comedy and performing become part of of your life? Was that in your in your Enfield, in your South End, or in your Woodford it was, era, I totally had had no contact with comedy my entire life. It was ridiculous. I, I, it was one of those things where I just managed to get quite far into my twenties without ever being to see stand-up comedy, ever forming an opinion on it. I just—it wasn't something that made me laugh. I, I associated it with. Jim Davison, Jimmy Jones, Roy oh. Chubby Brown. I mean, I've, I've watched it with my dad a couple of times and laughed a bit, but it wasn't really for me. Yeah. And uh, I've always, I wanted to write. That's what I'm going to do. I'm a writer. I want to write. I'm going to be the first person in my family to go to university. Yeah. I'm going to train to be a teacher. And in the holidays, I'm going to write books. That's yeah. what I'm going to do. I was absolutely freaking adamant I was going to do that. It took me a long, took me a bit longer to get to uni because my dad said to me, uh, right, you're 18. And I'm sorry, I'm just not going to contribute anything. If you want to do it, you've got to do it on your own, boy. Because I've done everything on my own. I pumped you out, my urethra. My job's done. Yeah. So you're on your own now. And I'm like, well, you haven't really got many options to fund yourself when you're 18. The student grant had recently died out. And I was like, I actually, I actually can't. Like, you know, yeah. like some sort of Physically kid from an, a documentary in Africa where you can't get educated. Yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't All go. All I want is an education. I just, I, I actually have no options because the, yeah. the rent on halls alone is two grand a year. So even if you, even if you live at home, my mum and dad wanted 250 quid a month cape mm. to live in the house. <laughs> and then I had no money to live on. Yeah. I was like, that's it. Can't go. And my dad was like, you have to get a fucking job, like a real person. So that's what I did. I went uh, into um, the West End buying and selling watches, right. Rolex, Rolex watches. Wow. I've always had the gift to the gab. Yeah. So I thought I'd become a salesman. I tried Hoover's door to door. I'd done all sorts of shit. And then I ended up selling watches. And I thought, if I can get to uni by the time I'm 21, 22, I'll still be young enough to hang out with everyone that's 18. Yeah. I'd have paid for it myself, be a little bit older. All the girls would be up. I mean, that's what that was my thinking. And uh, I was just absolutely determined. I'd worked out I needed to save up 12 grand, which given my starting wage was nine grand a year with no mean fee. Yeah. Uh, but I knew that once I had 12 grand in a bank account, I could go and get a degree and, and you know, no one would stop me. Yeah, yeah. I can remember either the actual turning point happened. I, I, first of all, I decided, well, that's it. I'm not going to go to uni. Sod it. I'd, I did a couple of A-levels just to kill time for a year and got chucked out of smoking shit in the car park so I yeah. got chucked out and I remember I'd done a year of these selling watches I've still got the diary entry and it was in my diary I've written right today's the day I've decided I'm going to turn I'm going to turn my life around today's the day I go to I'm going to sort out this plan to go to university and what I'd done it was this I'd been in a nightclub called Strawberry Sundays in Vauxhalls it's this banging hard house night it ran Amazing. for about five years have you ever been there? no it's no. fucking proper like, wonderful chew your face all like, <laughs> chucked out six eight. <laughs> Anyway, I was like, I was properly like having 
full Stephen Hawking in the corner at about 5am one night. <laughs> and the smoke just cleared and this girl walked towards me. She must have been about 510 model girl just came up to me just put her phone number in my, in my hand like the ugly council estate kid in the corner she obviously saw something i didn't then so i called her and we just started this relationship fell in love straight away i was like i love you within about a week and she happened to have a more middle class background and she was starting uni that that september so i was now buying and selling the watches but waking up some mornings in university yeah halls. yeah 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 and i was watching all of the, I was angry, all of these fuckers <laughs> getting up at 10am on my day off, yeah. sitting on grass, swilling cider, exchanging opinions, running to the bookshop, skipping to a lecture and then enjoying two hours downtown while I work like a 1930s shop boy. Yeah. And I'm like, that is fucking unjust shit. Just because my dad didn't have any money. I was like, no, just something just snapped. I, whatever the opposite of a nervous break down is i had that nervous break up still implies something broke and the nervous fixing together yeah two synapses just went and i was like no fuck it's gonna stop me so i was just like you want this rolex you want the diamond dial i was just i was on commission selling right. boxes selling extras and i just within three years i had i had that money i i, I knew i needed 80 pounds a week to live on i could get by yeah i needed two grand to pay my rent a year and i got the money together got the student loans together and i just went I just got first. I was the only person who got first on my degree that year. That's great. I was the only first class right. honours. I was so angry. I like spat and smashed my way to a first. I read everything: Zola, Jane Austen, Balzac, Anthony yeah. Trollope. Uh, you keep your Dickens and your Austen and all your obvious authors. I, I read everything. I read Sideways. I just, I just read not the stuff that was on the course. And I was mm. waking up at seven a.m. and reading for an just picking a random author like Balzac. I wasn't even studying French. And yeah. just, right, I'm going to read all of that. And this, this beast just came out this i think having something kind of set away f- from you can be a, a huge motivation yeah. having to work for something rather than yeah. oh, i'll just go and study this now having to go i want to do that enough to put in three years mm. to get there and it's something that's that's gone from our society a lot with it seems like an odd example but with kickstarter campaigns and stuff like that where it's very much i want to do this can you all support me? Rather yeah. than I want to do this, I'm going to work for three years because it's 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 how I started in music. I worked for five years in a record store and saved up until I could record an album and yeah. kind of start and and kick things off. And now you can I just think like it, do it in your phone and put it on YouTube. Yeah, it's, it's, that. Exactly. Scrubius, yeah. Send. I think it makes you more dedicated to it because it means more that. to you. It's not just oh, I've tried this, I forget it. You've you've you've. In a way, you can't fail because you've put too much into it. It's like, I've spent three years to get here. I need to do it right and do good and get a first and, and, and knock it out of the park. That's the, right? that's, the flip, that's the flip side of the of the, of the the violin. Oh, my dad didn't help me. The positive of that is I was so driven. Driven, yeah. I bounced out of there with the first, but then I couldn't switch it. I couldn't switch it off. Yeah. So I was like, I'll stick to my original plan anyway. I'll start PGCE. They don't have any... My strategic thinking was there aren't many male primary school teachers. So right. Can, they, they're death, it's one profession where they still want men to do well. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go in it's there. It's one thing I can still take away uh, from the women. Yeah, actually. It's the one thing the women have got. I'm going to go and take well, it from the, them. The problem with primary school is there's a lot of single parents. And there's no yeah. strong... It's the one, the one time you need good yeah. male Ma- role male models role. Yeah, for definitely. children under 11, there, and there's a complete dearth of them. Yeah. So a good male primary school teacher is a gold dust. I thought, that's what I'll do. And then I've got my 
my holidays to write. And I was, I'd only been out of uni about two weeks. I'd enrolled in my PGCE, took out a loan for nine grand. And my mum went, right, I will need to take a grand of that if you're going to live at home. Still, they, she, they still hit me with it after I'd got myself a first. And they're in the pictures with me, you know, with my mortarboard hat, yeah. standing with their thumbs up like they were part of the journey. Yeah. And, uh, How dare you? And uh, so, yeah. I, and then just when I was waiting, I was getting my school books together and I was just getting ready. And then an advertising agent just tapped me on the shoulder and was like, we hear you're the only person who got a first on your specific course, which had a creative component with the English literature. How do you feel about working for 100 quid a week and seeing if you're any good? And that was that. I mean, within 18 months, I was the head copywriter in this ad agent. I could, I, it was literally Mate. like pinch yourself shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my cousins are in or tagged or in prison my mum's a cleaner yeah. everyone works in factories and I was sitting and pink these people couches. came to you I was to sitting, within a year I was sitting on a pink couch going I, I suppose a pun on that would be quite nice the thing, the thing about Maltesers is what's their brand uh, that was my now my life yeah dips in the fridge blah 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 and I'd gone all the way through life all the way through uni with no comedy club didn't realise I'm the guy that wouldn't stop talking that had people around the water cooler laughing and that's when someone at work said to me please do me a favour try stand up yeah I was, it was just something that it just never occurred. You might as well have said try ballet to me or try yeah. boxing. It's just something I had no contact with. So I just thought, you know what? Like, like when I did the bungee rocket in Ibiza, do something once. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, don't remember yeah. the bungee rocket in Ibiza. Right. My eyes actually did a full 360. They were already halfway there when I got on it. <laughs> and, uh, and I just went, do it once, see what happens. Yeah. And that was that. Was that. Yeah. I, I had a nice little career going as well. I was head copywriter. I was head, I would have had probably made creative director in five years, but... Once you taste that little needle standing on stage and getting that laugh back, then that part of my uh, life started to dissolve. You know, like bridges falling away after. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I mean, I this is like gigging every night in my creative director's like, you know, where's your head here? Is it comedy? Is it this? Is that? And then yeah. bang, I just left. And That's it. It's, it's another great motivator there. If you've had to walk away from something that, again, you're doing better than anyone else ex- or better than anyone expected. Yeah. certainly better than anyone in your immediate family or, or whatever else in these in this particular area so if you're walking away from that to go and do comedy it's another one where it's like no i've got to succeed there's no there's no yeah. option here i can't i, I can't I, fail at this because look at what I've, I've i've walked away from i didn't have many people supporting my decision put it that way yeah and i and i felt like i was doing a bit of an x-factor spot oh my god someone's laughed at me like five times it must mean i'm meant to be on the telly Here's a yeah, bit of yeah, an x-factor yeah 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 i'm glad yeah. to say the c-word yeah yeah thing, yeah, thing yeah go you know it was a cuntish move basically it's like yeah. how much do you love yourself to think that you can throw that can away throw it all away because like, oh, my dad's my dad's in a monologue installed yeah. for life by my dad it will turn to shit it will fail you will not succeed there will be a traffic jam it will rain the f- chicken will be undercooked you will get food poisoning the holiday will be cancelled that's the f- yeah 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 <laughs> the, the Dave, the Dave monologue that plays constantly. <laughs> uh, but I just was too. It was like more like an addict. Yeah, it, it wasn't confidence. It. it was addiction. I'd obviously just taken ages finding out what I was supposed to do. Mm. The second I stood foot on, on that stage, I knew shit, man. This, this is. I am a writer of sorts, but this is what I'm supposed to do. And then it was just. Then it all went crazy. I started going up to Edinburgh and getting nominated for this Perrier Award, and then I won it. And that's what was great, though, with your Edinburgh story is you were going up again. It, 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 it speaks it speaks of an addict of, of of the stage that you were going up the first few years, I think, with a comedy show and with a play. Yeah, and going right. I'm doing I'm doing both. I'm doing everything. I'm kind of here to just immerse myself 
in every moment I'm up here and kind of try and th- 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 throw yourself at every every corner of the arts. It, it's a full-on Edinburgh run. It's, yeah. tw- it's 20 to 30 shows mm-hmm. and it's every night in a sweaty port cabin without air con and all the industry, and there'll be a journalist here that appears in every night and it's, it's full-on. Yeah. It's not for the faint-hearted. I, you I, come out the end of it a different performer, definitely. I lucked out the year I did it because I was up there doing poetry essentially i had some gags in there but i was doing i was doing a a poetry show so i didn't have the pressure of trying to win the award because it's not really it doesn't really qualify it doesn't really fit so so i could just go to and enjoy it and every time i speak to comedians i have again a similar of that guilt of i've done edinburgh once it's lovely yeah (laughs) i had a really good time Turnouts were great, reviews were great, but it's because it wasn't no under the same. Yeah. Exactly, it wasn't under that same pressure of ninety percent of the people out there are comedians, all trying to get that 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 that, that one crowd member, that yeah. extra person. And is that Edinburgh comedy? What drives you mental? The better the, the better the reviews are, the worse it gets. Yeah, the, because the different type of person starts to come. Who yeah. does this? Won't translate to podcast. Who does intellectual lip, which is the kind of pursing of the lips every time you make an observation it's very yeah. true it's quite witty what you've said there yeah and uh and so the, the more journalists start to come so the crowd starts to the more successful you are uh, the less the crowd starts to laugh up there because it's yeah. attracting a sign of serious festival goer worthy it's, it's, it's no longer you, you, your crowd it's people who, or a random crowd who feel they should be there a you random know I mean? crowd's great because yeah. in the pleasant's courtyard you're pouring in people that are like oh, i've got a few things on these posts let's give it a chance we'll give it a look yeah yeah, yeah, pre-bookers. Like when, whenever I do a two-night run at a theatre, I always know the, the second night's always better. Yeah. Because the first night is the people who book in advance. And you, is there anyone you know in your circle who's fun <laughs> that, that, that plans stuff in advance correctly? No, that, no. It's exactly. like, oh, well, we know we never liked, we don't smoke, we've never had any risky sex. Yeah. Uh, it, whereas it's like, oh, man, you're like, oh, I was off my tits and I sort of booked it at the last minute. They're always great. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the pre-bookers can be a nightmare. So, I mean, let's. I'm going to come back t- to Edinburgh. What era was your sunrooms visits? Because we did uh, Soccer AM together and we chatted and you mentioned there that you used to come to the sunrooms, I've seen which you is somewhere there. I used to go and do spoken word and I've stuff I've seen you like perform that. up close and personal several times. It's, it was, was weird Drunk in there, on right? snake bite on, in the yeah. crowd and I performed in the sunrooms many times. Because there was no stage. No. There was just generally the upstairs bit and I'd have a, a mic and at that point I was either beatboxing into a loop pedal and rapping over the top or just doing spoken word. And it's a weird place. But a wonderful place at the same time, right? It was one of the first places I started to hang out when I went to South End. Yeah. I was dating a girl there, and then it turned into a serious relationship. We moved we moved in together. And we were just down there all the time. I was always drunk in the sunrooms. There's a, there was another poet that was always it was very funny, Simon something, Blackman, Simon. Yeah, Simon Blackman. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Whatever happened it, to him, man? He was also part of an improv group. That's right. That scared to look at Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I've, I've no idea. It's, it's weird. I was thinking about him the other day because... Someone was on... He used to do poems about Susie Dent and Countdown and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he did great yeah. stuff. But uh, uh, someone was on Brett Goldstein's podcast and they had a similar name. And I was like, I couldn't remember his name. So, so you saying it there, I've been thinking of that for about yeah, a week Simon now. I was like, is this the guy? This isn't the guy who used to... This isn't him, is it? And then, no, it isn't, it turns out. Because, yeah, it was, it was Simon Blackman. But, yeah, it was a great little scene. And it's, it's an example I always give when people hit me up and say, I've not really got a spoken word scene or a comedy scene or whatever else. It's like... Well, neither did we. We just made one. Yeah. The, 
that was a room above a pub and there was I mean, 20 people on a good night. Yeah. It's not like some, some amazing scene, but there was people who went, let's just put this just on. Just put a gig on. It. Just say it's three quid to get in, get your local function room, set up yeah. a Facebook page and push it to your mates. If only 10 people turn up to the first one, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it, it then, the beauty of, 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 of any night like that is you build your crowd initially off the people who want to get up and be heard. That's, yeah. the, that's half your crowd. I swear the first few years of my career there wasn't a single genuine audience member there no, it was all right. people who were trying to get a gig is and it, trying to get up and it's like that's fine that means you get to do your bit of being shit and getting better in front of people who are far are just waiting for their turn really yeah. and then by the time you're good there might be a crowd there and it's like, oh look and that, I can that do this now that is definitely one thing that has changed in the generation i see coming through because we've been fed a lot of x-factor reality stuff yeah and they're so instantly pe- thrown up so people believe that myth. Yeah. But it's only true for like five people on the telly. Yeah, yeah, so I just yeah. I just did some stand-up recently, which I just put out about the difference between instant success streamers and grafters, the, t- yeah. the two groups of people. So you've got a generation of people now, particularly people like under 25, definitely under 21, who think that, I've done one YouTube video, a thousand people watched it. Where's my check? Where's my career? Oh, sorry, no, no. Now you need to do five years unpaid graft which still might not lead to anything and then maybe just maybe at the end maybe someone will hand you a bean yeah. maybe unless that is your mental attitude you just the chance you make it is one in a million one in a million do make it yeah like you know you're probably not gonna be that one in a million i i had a guy literally walk up to me t- uh, uh, today and again i don't want to hate him at all because he was a, a lovely dude but he was was telling me that he's uploaded a piece t- to youtube and he wanted me to uh, to hear it which is absolutely fine but but he was saying how he's struggling to get heard. And I was like, well, as I was in a rush, I was like, well, hit me up on social media. He's like, I'm, I'm not really into social media. I was like, well, you need to be, my yeah. thought is, well, you need to be to be heard. That needs to, yeah. you, even if you're not into it, you need to improve your opportunities or your potential of being heard there. And then equally, upload 10 things to YouTube and at the same time be doing yeah. like, open mics every week that, there is no... It all sounds like boring hard work to some people, do you know exactly, what I mean? Like, what do you mean? Exactly. Like, when you get on a train, uh, just like, can you just tweet my thing, please? Yeah, and it's like, well, it doesn't... Do it for me? It doesn't go anywhere. The reason, again, I can only go from my own experience, but the reason when our album came out, we did all right, was because we'd been, as soon as the first song got any attention, we were gigging four or five times a week. Mm. We are just constantly gigging, so we'd got good... So people could come and see us, and yeah. there's an hour, there's a, b- a body of work rather than I've got one song. Who's mm. going to book you at a gig to come and, and do your one song? Yeah. So all right, that's not going to work. Or I've got a, I've got a f- five minutes of stand up. So yeah. it might not be enough. You you probably need a seven at least yeah. to to kick things off and and build from there. Yeah. Otherwise, it's one one hit and disappear. Yeah. The David Cameron model. Yeah. Yeah. It's a referendum and goodbye. Bing. Exactly. So I call him the Dynamo of politics. So I've got a theory <laughs> that him and Dynamo are the same person because both yeah. have gone off the scene around about the same time. Yeah. So I'm yeah, wondering if it's a really elaborate Dynamo. Dynamo's greatest trick. Gonna rip, rip off. My like greatest a, trick a, is I'm going to ruin the country. Run, run the country. <laughs> it's like a it's like a Mission Impossible David Cameron mask. Rip off. And it was me all along. I've been in Bradford. <laughs> there is no there is no Brexit, Grandad. And then he just vanishes. <laughs> I'd love that to be the case. Um, so, so going back to the fringe, how was it when you'd won? Because that adds all sorts of different pressures. Yeah. It might, I would assume, add 
resentment and and oh, annoyance of other 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 comedians because every comedian I've ever seen or, or every comedian I know at some point as, as soon as the winner is announced is like I don't think they even saw my show to be honest or, or, yeah. you know what I mean there's, there's always that kind of, because it's a I love the fringe as an audience member I think it's a ridiculous opportunity to go and see so much comedy theatre culture I don't like the bringing in of a competitive aspect of it no. that it is this competition it's this it's this month of going you know all the people you spend all your year with because you're all gigging all the time and you're friends well now they're your your rivals yeah, and you're weird. all against each other even your closest friends you're all against each other and god forbid you get nominated and one of your friends is nominated because then you're really against each well, other it was four times as well like, so the fourth time I was absolutely just exhausted from standing in the room only to be disappointed I just thought I was yeah. too mainstream they're never going to give it to anyone like me who's just a normal white bloke telling stories. You know, those days are, are finished. Yeah, yeah. They're never going to hand it to me. And uh, that year there was a guy called Bo Burnham on who was this, like, yep, boy, musical, stuff, yeah. musical boy genius. And the reviews were like, don't bother judges, don't go to any awards, save your time. This was the review of things in the list. Here is your winner, Bo Burnham. And I was calling him Mozart. Like, do you remember? Do you remember? Have you seen the Mo- the Mozart movie with uh, Salieri and Mozart? I seen God damn, I would be so great if it wasn't for Mozart. <laughs> uh, I was like, I'm like, I'm Salieri, the, the composer. Amazing. No one will remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and I was like up against not only that, I was up against Sarah Millican, Greg Davies, Bo Burnham. I'm sure there was, must, might have been another one, and me. I'm like, well, out of that list, I'm definitely bottom in my <laughs> yeah, opinion. Yeah. All I've got over those guys is. Uh, my old man pegged it 2003 and I never, I've always spoke about my dad in the present tense when I'm on stage. So my dad, yeah. this, my dad, that, and it went on for so long. So we've got to 2010 and people coming up to me go, I bet your dad fucking hates you. And I'll be like, yeah. And I just couldn't bring myself to go, yeah, but he's dead. Yeah. Cause I thought it's a comedy show. People don't want to think about a dead person, at a comedy show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't change the truth of the stories. I'm just changing the tense. Yeah. Like my dad was, my dad is. And we got to Edinburgh that year and two other people were doing dead dad shows, which started with, you know, like a big cancer picture. There's my cancer daddy. Let me tell you the story wrapped around humour. <laughs> and I thought, I'm not doing that. Cringe. And I thought, but what if? And I hadn't previewed it. Mm. And the first night before I phoned my manager, I went, I've had an idea. I'm just going to try it for the first night in Edinburgh. I'm going to reveal that he's dead right at the end by changing tense halfway through a paragraph under a narrowing spotlight. Could be cringe. It's the only one of the few things yeah. I've ever written out longhand and memorised it. So that's what I did. So I did on the first night. And my dad, this is a funny story. My dad w- walks in and he does this and by the way, and I changed my dad's voice and go, you know, you've never found a way to tell the audience and, uh, and then you could see everyone think, is he telling us what we think he's telling? And then uh, there was a blackout and then everyone was crying. I was like, oh, hello. It wasn't like some, it was just total blagging at the last yeah. minute. I hadn't done it out of any artistic skill. And I think that's probably what, pushed the judges over the edge was that yeah. sudden like 55 minutes of proper breakneck funny stuff about working class man when, and then a little cry bit at the end it's, whereas most other people do it the other way around here's my tragic tear with a laugh it's, it's, it's what's great though is is a lot of the great things are the things that until you perform it you're like is this shit yeah is this cringy is yeah. this like the worst thing because again i can i can completely see how you'd be like oh man is this I've got the spotlight and it's dramatic and I've, yeah. I'm, I'm fun. I'm enjoying myself. And is it now, is it feeling X factor? Is yeah. it feeling, yeah. here's, here's my story, but it's those things that, that work and break through and connect to people. And yeah, that must've been an amazingly rewarding 
to try it out and it work. And well, I go, I, oh, fucking hell. I certainly had no speech ready. Yeah. I had no speech ready. My taxi was waiting, in fact. Right. I, was, I just, there's nothing worse than when you, know, you lost. Because I know what happens, everyone wants to take pictures of your face and all that shit. So yeah. I just said to um, Sadie, Sadie I was with at the time, and I was just like, just, just get out of there. As soon as they said Bo Burnham's name, we just need to leave. Was, everyone was so sure. And they said, I've won it. And I was like, hey. And then I went up there, but then it just went mental for about two. I had my sort of, what I call my, you know, the type of thing that's happening to Rob and Ramesh and all that at the yeah. moment. Where it's just, it's crazy. And I just, that's when I made a couple of mistakes. I said yes to everything. Right. And I, I wish I'd been helped to say no more often. Yeah. Um, I'm in a different place now, man- management-wise. And uh, I'm an, I love, I've just say no to so much now. And it's, it's better. I it's know. great to be in a, a situation to be able to do that and, and to be comfortable. I yeah. said, p- p- politeness can get you in some shit projects. Because oh, no, like, you're just like, oh, yes, okay. I don't yeah. want to offend anyone. Go, no, no, I don't want to do that. But I, 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 had a, I had a wicked like, four years of it and it sort of settled now into this solid touring and I've got, I'm doing stuff I really want to do, like developing sitcoms, sketch shows yeah. and all that. But yeah, it was, it was absolutely, cra- it, was, it was crazy. It, it, it's definitely something to be said for not winning that award. Yeah. Uh, you're definitely better off being nominated a few times yeah. and not, yeah, yeah, and not yeah, yeah. winning. In my, I think, maybe. Yeah. It's a sort of over PR thing that happens. I get that because then you've got that stamp of credibility or yeah. even just a backup say you are good like Acast has been nominated four times yeah. and, and that he's fucking smashing it at the moment yeah. I mean he's yeah. amazingly funny to be yeah. fair yeah he is I can he's fantastic doing a show at the moment which I'd highly recommend the Lasagna one go and see it I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to catch it it's three on Netflix just blew me away yeah. I caught one of them as they were touring but yeah. just watching the three on Netflix was absolutely amazing very original voice um, I've asked or, or you're kind of a Pokemon f- for me and I've asked the other two, but what was it like being a one of the funny R- Russells? Because oh, no. there was just a period where it was three f- 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 funny, engaging, good-looking, charismatic oh, no. Russells. Well, it's, it must have been tough to kind of go right. I need to. And you did some Big Brother stuff, which Russell Brand, oh, no. Russell Howard was over here doing this. Oh, and no, I've had the other two on, and I've asked both of them. So it's not you know, it's I'm getting the the trifecta in now. How so, was that? To what try was, and what was annoying yourself? What was annoying from my point of view is I knew not I knew nothing about stand up. Yeah, so that served me quite well in that I did I didn't have punchline. I still don't have punchline sometimes. I just do a funny story and go and the next one. Well, yeah. So that fearlessness yeah. really helped me. But at the same time, if I'd just educated myself a little bit and gone to see some live comedy before my first gig, which yeah. I literally never had, yeah. or, or read the Chortle website, because yeah. I'd already decided to change my surname, because my real surname was unpronounceable. So right. I thought, I'll pick Kane, that sounds cool, Kane's funny, because um, I knew that from my copywriting days, it's a striking letter. I could have so easily changed my first name. Yeah. If I'd have not, if only I'd have just gone on the there circuit was. and gone. Is there any other? You know, there's actually there's a couple of other Russells that are a bit it's like you. Really successful and ones, though, quite similar. So every review, every review started with, "Oh, and do we really need more Russells?" And it, was like a, it was like a lazy go-to thing yeah. to take the piss out of. So I wish I'd done it, but by the time I realised, yeah. things happened so quickly at the beginning. Like within three months, I won this new comedy award. Um, that there wasn't time to change direction, stuck. so yeah, I just, I just stuck with it. And because it's not, it's not a common enough. 
like, like if there was another Scroobius poet, it'd be a fucking nightmare, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? It wouldn't matter how different you were. Oh, come on. It wouldn't matter if he was like a Nigerian click poet or something. It just yeah. did his poems in clicks. You'd still be like, oh, the two Scroobiuses, which Scroobius do you prefer? Like, it's almost like a name racism. Yeah. In that because we share the same name, we must all they're all the same Russells, aren't they? I don't like them Russells. They, they all smell the same. What kind of comedians are you? I don't like them it's, Russells. It's so, like, yeah. That's not me, that's the other one. I wish I'd, I wished I'd change it, but that's not been... That's, we never get muddled up. I, I, I'm assuming that, that Russell Howard, who I know a bit, and Russell Brando sort of know to say hello to. I'm assuming they don't get muddled up with me. The person I get muddled up with all the time, including today, while I was sat in Cafe Nero, waiting to come in here, where uh, Judith Chalmers came up to me and said, Nick Grimshaw, how are you? And kissed me on the cheek. <laughs> I mean, every single day of my life, Amazing. someone comes up to me and greets me as Nick Grimshaw. And when I'm here at the BBC where we're recording this, it's just all the way in, all the way out. Yeah, it's a, it's a given that, that you're obviously Nick Grimshaw. I just did a flight from, from flew out from Manchester <laughs> oh, to Ibiza. Man. I still go Ibiza every year. Grow yeah. up! <laughs> and uh, it was full of Scousers, the, the plane, and they, they, they were doing the thing. With, it starts with shouting and duck down, which I, I can't stand. As a method of approaching someone, a shout and duck down is right, not my favourite. Right. Grimmy! And then hiding behind the seat. Yeah. Now I'm sat with Lindsay, my wife, uh, a three-year-old child and my in-laws. Yeah, all so of you whom know you're not Nick Grimshaw. No, but you only need to know basic information about Nick Grimshaw to know he's probably not going to be sat with his wife and yeah. child. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, and uh, straight being the operative way. And I, and I, I said, Grimmy, Grimmy! And, and uh, Lindsay's like, I'm going to fucking... Like my wife's a mate, so I'm going to fucking say something in a minute. He's not, he's not fucking... And I like, Lindsay, just pipe down. Because if they think I'm a DJ, at least you're sort of allowed to be moody. Same if I was a poet. If I was a famous poet, yeah, yeah. if I was like Seamus Heaney Jr. just breaking through and uh, I sat, sat there at the front with a moody face, they'd be like, look at the genius of that poet. The poet, look, he's, he's probably having a dark cloud at the moment yeah. while, he, while he thinks of another Alexandrine. And, uh, but, and the same if you're a musician, yeah. Ed Sheeran or Tiny Timber could just sit there moody. Yeah, as no. soon as you're a comic... If you're not in a good mood... I can cheer up, mate. Yeah, well, you fraudulent cunt. Yeah, give it a you're bigger... Like you're, you're a clown. You're a clown. You're a depressive. So I just said, just let them think I'm Nick Grimshaw being moody. I just pulled my hat down. And then they kept getting further, nearer and nearer and nearer. Until one of the girls went, just leave him alone. He's fucking sat with his... Nick Grimshaw's sat with his daughter. Leave him alone. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I said, Lindsay, don't say anything. And then right near the end of the flight, this guy came and sat down to me and went, oh, I'm really sorry for my friends they've offended you nicholas but i've just got to tell you you really helped me at the beginning as a dj i don't know if you remember me and uh i went and i went can i mate can i, can I ask you something and he went yeah go fire away nick and i went do i sound like i'm from oldham to you do, do i sound, you're a northerner yeah you're, yeah i'm from liverpool really do i do i sound like i'm from oldham i've had three hours of to you Mate, and he's like, I get it, I get it. You're keeping it on the DL. I get it, I get it. <laughs> and I was like, look, I put him out of his suffering. I was like, no, you just, you probably recognise me, but we look a bit similar. And he went, oh fucking hell, I do know who you are. You stand up, you, your shit's dead raw. I fucking like you as well, mate. And he paused and then went, anyway. So if you do see Nick Grimshaw, but like, he was the two, the things were so joined in his head I that he just it. carried on talking about Grimmy. And then it. as we were getting off the flight, I've got, we landed at 11.30 PM. I've got a crying toddler, foldable buggy. He put in my pocket his SoundCloud reference to his tunes. I love like, it. Like, what, what, I've got beautiful. nothing to do with DJ. You do, nothing. You, do, I, you, you <laughs> think, I was hit up early on just as Daryl shouted blowing up and a few You others. must get some good muddle ups with, well, that, I, with I, that look. I mean, I constantly get called the Dan Lassac 
And it's a tough one because, like, well, I'm not. You must get loads of ex prisoners going. Good to see. How's life on the outside? No, I'm not. I'm not. Exactly. I'm not Mickey J. I'm not. not me. <laughs> I had. I had. Um, a, bizarrely, it was a Manchester Jewish magazine hit me up. Say, I would like to talk to you about your career and 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 your and being a Jew. And I was like, I'm, I'm not Jewish. I was like, it's, I'll talk about my career, but I'm not Jewish. And they were going, I was sorry. Do you know any Jews? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. It's like, do you know anyone? Is this Jeremy? Co- is this Jews? Jeremy Corbyn in disguise on a witch hunt? Might just help you out there. I bet every religious temple's trying to claim you, aren't they? Yeah, You've got so many looks there. You exactly. could be Sikh, Muslim. You're like a man of the people. It's great living a, a growing up in Essex with this this look. They, yeah, but if you they, shaved your head, you'd make a good atheist racist. Yeah. It's like a bit of a Charles Bronson. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, all of this ties n- nicely. Um, into Evil Genius, which Indeed. is what we're, we're primarily here to talk about, and we haven't even touched that. on. But um, because in that, there's a few episodes I've heard you say or refer to yourself as Nick Grimshaw. There's also an episode about people who hate Jews. Yeah, um, so it's, there's a few episodes about that. It's all quite relevant, but I love it. I think it's a great idea, and it's it's a great idea that's becoming depressingly more relevant, kind of, of as the years go on, because it's essentially about separating... Art from the artist. Can we separate art yes, from the artist? Right. Are they a genius or are they evil? Um, oh. Sorry. <laughs> right, just, that's my core chaos pad. Whenever I'm gigging with Scroobies, I like to bring some random sounds in. So that <laughs> is a documentary about Evelyn Why. I just drop one syllable in there. Yeah. We're going to loop that in. I think everyone knew what it was, mate. Quite yeah, obvious. <laughs> who, who wouldn't have picked up on that one? No, the reason, the reason I'll just get my laptop out just so I've got all of the coming episodes of it. Yeah. We've just... We got because I've listened to a lot of, of, of Series 1 and, and, and Roald Dahl on there was a great one in Guardian. And the Roald Dahl one, weirdly, in the, in the, press, in the papers t- 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 today as we're oh, recording this, really? they've been talking about how um, he was going to be on a commemorative coin and they've just backtracked on it because of his anti-Semitic views. And weirdly, I was listening to that episode on a drive like last week. So it's that kind of... But the thing... Oh, I, know, I know about that. Roald Dahl screwed up twice because he made something that was a bit anti-Semitic and they were like, look, don't end your career. Do you want to clear up your views? And he went, no, I'm sorry. Jews are, are conniving and sneaky. I mean, everything yeah. I said. And he just, he clarified yeah. that he was definitely did not like Jews. I mean, he again, really, the, he really clarified. The, the lack of vagueness in his statement where he said, look, let's be honest. Hitler had a reason for going out. Yeah. Hitler I was a bright guy. Didn't... He wouldn't have done that for nothing. Yeah. That's a genuine, that quite, I, was, I was listening to that and I was like, wow, there's no, there's no gray areas there. Again, really. I think uh, the thing I find interesting about the podcast is, and again, society at the moment, with a lot of stuff coming out about people, what they got up to in the 70s or this and that, yeah. we do sometimes have to, to look at things. And it's discussed on the podcast a lot with, with through the window of time. Like if, if, if there was a, a – if anti-Semitism was generally accepted or a mild racism was accepted yeah. in Britain then or whatever else, you have to go, well, that's not good. It's not acceptable, but – it's of the time, it's this, it's that. I always, so it was I, interesting, particularly with him, when it's like, oh, no, no, that's completely... To, to, to say Hitler kind of had a point... It's because of what it's it led to... It's, it's next of, level. It's because of what it led... I always, I always ask myself the question, what is it that we are like today that yeah. they will laugh like drains yeah. in a 100 years' time? Yeah. It yeah, could yeah, be. Yeah. I could quite easily now do my Scouser impression again and go, you know what people from Liverpool are like? And we, yeah. you, we, you and I would both laugh, put it out, and everyone would tweet, and then some Liverpool people would go, hey, you cheeky, ha, la, seen you on tour. And then a 100 years' time, that's like 
Scouts most offensive thing. Yeah, 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 completely. Um, so, but with the new... Just a, a, evil genius is one of the few things I've done where it's a very simple idea. So just to clarify what the idea is. Yes, go. I, I, the day before I went to pitch this to BBC, um, to Radio 4 team initially, uh, I had all these PDF documents of all these ideas and I didn't get to share any of them because I played a pub game with my mates the night before. <laughs> and I was just telling Sally, the producer I went for a meeting with about the pub game and she just went, that's the one. We've been sat talking about Harvey Weinstein or something in the pub. Right. And yeah. I was like, yeah, but... You can't have it both ways. He's like, you're either, yeah. everything he's done is now tainted. I'm never going to watch Harvey Weinstein movie again. Mm-hmm. Or you think, do you know what? The work is the work. The genius outweighs the evil. We live in a generation now, and I'm one of the worst of them. Look at the postmodernists. Nothing has meaning. Nothing's, nothing's binary anymore. Yeah. The sky is not blue. You know, it's my perception of blue. Nothing has a label. Nothing has meaning. So it's really fun game, and it is a game, yeah. to make people go no it's a or b just for a yeah. laugh humor it's, me it's, it's what i like in the setup is you can have all the nuance and discussion beforehand but, they have to but at the end either evil or genius I'm, I'm not having well his art was shh yeah evil or genius two boxes. well he did a lot no evil or genius and, and a lot of something like the gandhi episode for example yeah. that continued onto the into the lift and onto the street when i got in my taxi a couple of panelists were still uh, having quite a discussion. It was a fascinating one because you had um, a, a, a woman on there, I can't remember her name, who was, who was quite an expert. Yeah, it's, on, it's, is it Vindu C? Sindhu V, that's it, Sindhu yeah. V. And, and she was fantastic because she was not letting him off of anything, but was contextualising and yeah. saying how how Western it is, for example, to not for it to be a big deal to share a bed with someone naked. And that was kind of a fascinating thing to hear because I remember I toured with... Um, yeah, but his reason was he wanted to test his chastity by sleeping next to his teenage niece. And that was the bit that... The, the, the ones if he fails the, the test. that he was trying to test his chastity <laughs> meant there was some kind of test there. Yeah, but, if he failed the test, he's going to fuck his niece. Let's yeah, not forget that. That, exactly. that was still a possible outcome of that test. Yeah. Do you know what? I did fail the test this time. Yeah. I have fucked my niece, but I tried. Bad news. Hooray. Test didn't go well. And by the way, partition's going to happen anyway. <laughs> See you later. But it's a fascinating one because it's interesting that things like that get brought up and discussed i remember when we was touring i had a tour manager called matthias who was swedish and he was saying how in his teens they would all just sit naked together in a sauna all the time male and female no sexual it's not this racy porno type scenario it's just they'll all get home and they'll get in a hot tub or whatever and all just be naked freedom and comfort in it and that made me think of that when she was saying no well I regularly sleep in the same bed as my father and stuff like that. Not naked, but still, again, her also saying that, um, I'm, I'm giving the whole episode away now, but how her mother will say if she's got her blouse off that she's naked. So, it's, you know, it's, it's that's totally different. That's, in, that's innocent nakedness. It's yeah, not like, yeah, yeah, I often yeah, yeah. sleep next to my dad just to see if I can resist wanking him off. Yeah, yeah, That would be yeah, a different yeah. Yeah, context, yeah, Completely, it? completely. And, and, and that's what I liked about it, was there was stuff that made sense, and then, yeah, but he did say it was a test, and that's the... The thing I always I like to say to some of my friends is, what do you think Gandhi's first civil rights victory was? The first thing that he campaigned for and passed into law. It would mm. be in South Africa because he lived in South Africa at that time. The first thing Gandhi got taken on into legislature, actually it made into law, was this. A separate queue for blacks and Indians so that he didn't have to queue with black people who were Man, subhuman. Yeah. That's his first great, civil yeah. rights victory. That's crazy. Racist as fuck. Yeah. So that, yeah. what I try to do on Evil Genius is, whatever I think the prevailing wind is, I will go against. It's very uncomfortable for me because I often have to go against things I believe. Yeah. So if we start with a genius like Gandhi, I will just keep throwing shit I, one of there's or, or hearing you try and d- d- 
kind of defend um, domestic violence on in the John Lennon episode or yeah. a bit battering of women trying to reason. It's like, I've not got a lot to stand on here, but... But the Thatcher episode was the best because obviously you've got three lefty comedians, Thatcher, yeah. which evil, and I just kept going, yeah, but she did this, yeah, but she did this, just bringing jeans. And so the next series coming up was supposed to be six then it got extended to 12 then it got extended to 15 amazing so we've got 15 of them you can imagine the research is it's not like um like a pleasant experience like yeah. today where we you know you can learn a bit about me and we can have a discursive chat i've got to know my shit backwards yeah so i sometimes and we double record as well i never forget one day when the lift door was closing and, and sally went to me next week it's gandhi and einstein bye that's seven <laughs> that's seven days to learn relativity um, so we've got some amazing characters coming up. Mother Teresa and um, Tupac Shakur has already dropped. Oh, the Tupac one I've listened to, and I loved yeah, it. It's only come out today. I'm swift. I had a journey in. Um, I was excited because uh, Ramesh was on there, and yeah. my thinking and was, James. right, the thought is going to be Ramesh is a hip-hop fan. Yeah. But my thought was hip-hop fans don't tend to like Tupac. No. And it was good to hear that he's like... I'm not really into Tupac. It felt like he was the typical guy to be. He's the one that's going to defend it. Whereas J- James, who's a bit of a hip-hop fan, yeah. who was defending him more and saying yeah. this, and Jade Adams, who's wonderful as well, who was just saying, I don't think there's anything genius about rap, which now means I was about to invite her on the podcast, but I've cancelled that idea now because I need it's to be rhyming stuff, isn't it, constantly. It's just rhyming stuff. <laughs> exactly. And then the Mother Teresa episode was dark as How well. I managed, to, ba- managed to bag yet. Alan Carr for that one. So that one's up at the moment as yeah. well. Well, I just... Sh- Mother Teresa, yes, okay. She pulled babies out of bins that would have died in a... I mean, babies were literally dumped in bins and she went yeah. and collected them and took them to her place. But ultimately... I'll she- be honest, if I saw a baby in a bin, I'd take it out. Yeah, exactly. And recycle <laughs> it. I don't know if that needs that much celebration. I'd recycle You put it in with a foil and cardboard there. I'd be a respect. Humans go in that one. I'd take it out and I'd... No, I was, no, was going to go down the Gandhi but, route, but I won't even... But, but Mother, Mother Teresa believed, as so... so so much, uh, much banal Christian doctrine does that the more suffering you experience, the closer you become to God, mm-hmm. which is a pretty fucked up way to Horrendous. look at the world. Horrendous. So she was having all these people, which, yes, she'd take them off the street with one hand, but you know, if Ted Bundy took dying women off the street and mm. nursed them back to hell so he could kill them in his yeah. pervy rape cellar, yeah. it doesn't make him a saint, you know what I mean? No. She was doing the religious version of that. She yeah. was having like an ecclesiastical orgasm in the basement because, you know, um, Praveen upstairs was dying of kidney failure on a cold stone. She was yeah. getting off on it on a, on a religious level. I mean, that's some dark shit. Yeah, some of the, she was getting all these hundreds of thousands, millions of pounds, but she wouldn't send someone to dialysis because ultimately that goes against the will of God. This man's supposed to die of kidney failure. Didn't stop her going for treatment, though. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, mic drop. So listen to it, find out if I managed to persuade uh, Desiree Birch, Alan Carr and Catherine Bohart that she she was evil, but it was a tough one. One of my favourite episodes coming up this series is one of the live episodes we did, Sid Vicious. Right. Live from Latitude. Right, amazing one. Again, I grew up obsessed with Sid Vicious, but... You'll love that then. Dark dude, horrible dude in in many ways, and not that much of a genius when you break it down. So it's 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 what I call a reverse episode. (laughs) Yeah. Like the Thatcher episode, yeah. where we're starting from. Well, this is, is obviously we're going to go in the evil box, and I yeah. just keep yeah. throwing little bits of positive some stuff it's, that he did. It's Gronje Maguire, Jen Brister, and Shappy called Sandy, all female panel. Yeah. And I've got a person, a man that couldn't play a bass guitar that enjoyed stabbing women. Yeah, so it's a tough sell. Yeah, yeah, but it's a well worth a listen. Uh, so, so who else have you got 
lined up to, to, oh, to break down. Because again, I, I do think, and people can go back and listen to the first series because there's loads. Yeah, there's, there's six there. There's six, six there. And was it in the first series or eight? Might even be eight. I don't know. And then we go everywhere from John John Lennon, Roald Dahl, blah, blah, blah in the first series. Yeah. Uh, but we really go for some big guns. Mother Teresa, two packs already dropped. You've got Walt Disney and Sid Vicious coming up. Wow. Pablo Escobar, another, yep. another sort of reverse episode. Yeah. We did, we've got our first ever fictional character. Brilliant. Darth Vader. Right, yes. Another I reverse love it. episode. Um, Charles Dickens, Joan Rivers, Frank Sinatra, Coco Chanel, Bill Hicks, Joan Crawford, Enid Blyton, James Brown, and JFK. I love it because there's so many there that people will listen and go, well, there's nothing wrong with them. And that's what's the beauty about I mean, it. Enid what, Blyton. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. That was one cold bitch. I can't, you know, that's coming out on the um, 23rd of January. That one's got a long Again, way it's kind of, it's that, it's that excitement of the. Or, or again, it, what it often comes back to is trying to see if you can excuse the cultural situation at the time, what was acceptable at the time, and yeah. often you can't. No. But, but sometimes you do have to go, well, that's, again, it sounds so dismissive. That's how it was then. Well, that's what they did back then. It's like, right, it's horrible still. I know, I do, I do think it's a bit of a cop-out sometimes, that. Because like when the Jimmy Savile thing first broke, I'll never forget people saying, you've got to understand it was a different It was a different time in the 1970s. Ni- it's, like, it's, it's not like it's 1350. Not, yeah, you yeah, weren't yeah. Vikings where you could just go on an island and pillage and do what you want. It's, it's, it's only 34. I'm pretty sure... 30, 40 years ago, it wasn't acceptable it's, it's to shag someone's kid. It's what Am was I going interesting mental? In, 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 in the Gandhi one was the kind of the opposite of that. I've got, no, no, that was like hearing that he was born in 1860 or 70 or something like that. You're like, oh shit, he feels like he was yeah. the 70s or, yeah, or yeah, something like yeah. that. And again, admittedly, a lot of his his action took place in the later, yeah. in, towards the end of his life. But still, it's weird to have those things kind of thrown out and, and laid out there and gone, right, this doesn't doesn't actually make sense and again i love that you won't allow there's been a few that i've listened to already where your guests have tried to be well you know on the fence a bit i, so, I no 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 we've done the discussing bit <laughs> now is the answer bit. I, I, I say just think of it like a scale like a, literally a scale of weights like my cousin darren has for his business <laughs> and uh just <laughs> just imagine on one side is all the good stuff we've talked about the books the poetry whatever and then on the other side whatever and it's yeah. some, Semitism, paedophilia, sexualist, whatever it might be, and see the scale in your mind. And you do know, you'd see it, but people don't want to admit it because mm. we live in the age of new labels, new definition. Nothing has meaning. We're in an amorphous cloud. Um, and so it's fun to force basically my generation to think like that because we're incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. Calling a spade a spade, as my dad would say, because it's just it goes against everything. I, every all my whole education is about nuance and ambiguity. But we do it, but like we do it con- like we avoid it constantly. Uh, it's we- something that's so prevalent in life. With recently, there was a couple of different rappers who died, and again, people were being respectful, but they both had histories of domestic violence, mm. and that's not acceptable. And I mean, the obvious example is someone like Michael Jackson, where there's there's all sorts well, of... He would like, be a great evil genius yeah, subject. He yeah, really again, there's there's, there's so, so many in recent times that you do have to go, even when they're alive, it's like, how much do we are we comfortable ignoring as such? Mm. You know, and that is a weird area. It's, it's, it's prevalent in... It's in, happening right now with R. Kelly, man. I mean, how much... Allegedly, I should say so allegedly, long. allegedly. I mean, how much... 
allegedly I mean, the, do we need the, to mount up? The, the number of court cases put against him aren't alleged that have been no. settled out of court. I'll, I'll take the bullet there. Yeah. The, the, the amount of cases settled out of court against R. Kelly is ridiculous. He's and good. it's been going on for years, yet ignition's good, good fun, That's isn't That's my main, it? isn't it? <laughs> it's good fun, isn't it? But I it's believe I can fly it in the van. Yeah, it's it's interesting though because there's I, I like that there's there's levels of it all as well and and Louis C.K. is a prime example in recent history that that what he did again the the thing that I always try to push against and want to be adamant on is just because something bad's happening I don't think we should then transfer that into kink shaming or anything like that. L- Louis C.K. are wanting to masturbate in front of women. It's not the story here. It's no. to me that's a bit. It's, it's not my kind of thing. Just can I? Can we sit in a room? But the thing that's wrong is the position of power and yeah. the consent. And he got consent, but still the position of power and different things like that. that's what he argues. The urge to but perform. Pe- but people go. Yeah, <laughs> he probably had little curtains that opened. Behind it, like a but, little, a but little mini sexual assault curtain with him. But that's it. Behind. But people will constantly just go to oh, gross pervert. It's like yeah. no, he's not a pervert. He's again. It's the, it's that's he, not what the story is. He here. just missed out one vital stage, which was said. Excuse me, I quite like you. Can yeah. we go out on a date? Yeah, we've been out yeah. on a date. We like each other. I have. A, I would like to masturbate in front of you. Is that okay? Yeah. He said. He skipped yes, a few steps. By there. all means, bring on the wanky show. Yeah. The problem is when yourself. someone opens a door and you're sat there knocking one out, waiting for that person to arrive. That is wrong. I can't see yeah. when that ever could have not been wrong. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if we go in a time <laughs> machine now and went to 1770 and I walked into a shop wanking, they wouldn't be like, "It's wanky man. It's totally fine. It's 1770." Mate. I would probably be hanging by the sunset. I can't wait for the time in the future where this is the bit that people are laughing at <laughs> and going, how, how ignorant. They don't just, just a wank in front of each other. It probably will I be. I was a- wanking while I was listening to this. They're probably in their Swedish <laughs> masturbation sort. You've got to understand it's different for us in Sweden. Well, thank you very much for your time. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap that up there. Genius <laughs> is on, on BBC Sounds and it goes on to obviously iTunes and all these kind of things. Yeah. Um, and the tour as the well. Tour. That's just what I was going to say. Yeah, just gone on. So I suppose the easiest thing to do is go to my website, russellcane.co.u. UK. I've, ju- I've added all the spring dates just about to release all the autumn dates for next year uh, it's sold out up until about April next year but the dates that have been added after that there's still seats there so do, yeah. che- do check I'm releasing more all the time so if you're one of them boring nerds who books really yeah. far in advance that we were sl- slagging off at the start of the podcast jump on <laughs> yeah, you're very you. welcome no, I'd love to have you there uh, the first, it's only the first 500 <laughs> the other thousand people are more than welcome <laughs> The uh, Cliffs Pavilion South End. Don't panic. I will be adding at least three dates there because I've added one. I've not even announced it. I just it's just flicked on sale, and of course it's just Wicked. gone. So I'll add I'll add another two, and there's a good. There's going to be a London Apollo date as well in the October. So I might do a couple of those. We'll see how it goes. Amazing. You know well, what I mean? Thank you very much for your time after a, an exhausting a, a oh, week or two. It's quite, so. it sorted me out actually. A bit, a bit of stimulating chat. Give you that injection. I've got to go home and watch about five episodes of The Apprentice now because I'm on the switchover program next week. Oh, amazing! Enjoy. Thank you very much, sir. There we go. That was lovely. Russell Kane, 244 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. Um, thank you for tuning in, guys. Uh, it's 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 a mess from here on out. Um, it's drunk cast season. Tis the season 
to be frankly disgraceful. So we will be back with you next week with part one. I don't know how many parts there's going to be, but um, we've not got many Wednesdays left in the year. So it'll definitely take us into the new year. Um, I'll then be doing my annual films of the year podcast for you all to look look forward to. That'll be at the start of January at some point. <laughs> oh dear. See, I'm feeling a bit a bit sicky already. This podcast is going to be an absolute mess. I can only apologise before we've even recorded it for all that is about to unfold. Um, anyway, head over to patreon.com slash pip. As I mentioned in the intro, I've been I released an old spoken word story there, um, and I'm going to be doing some cool stuff there in the new year. I also preview a lot of the guests, and I've been recording some good ones. So, yeah, head to patreoncom pip for all the goodness there. It's a quid a month, and it's well, well worth it. Um, so, other than that, I'll see you next week. Um, as long as the drunk cast is actually re- releasable, ta ta.